This is Machine Language, the podcast hosted by Manufacturing Automation Magazine. You've tuned in to hear conversations with industry experts on the latest industrial automation technologies and trends in Canada's manufacturing sector. Hello, and welcome to this special episode of Machine Language. I'm your host, Sukanya Reghosh, editor of Manufacturing Automation Magazine. This episode is a part of a Cybersecurity Week sponsored by Fortinet. We are in an era of increase of IoT devices and the introduction of industrial IT devices into manufacturing environments. How do you secure this equipment when mixed with legacy equipment that has been running for 10, 20 or more years in production? Today, I'm joined by William Noto, Global Director of Operational Technology Product Marketing at Fortinet. Prior to joining Fortinet, William spent 12 years at General Electric in both the GE Vent and GE Digital Business Units. At GE, William held product management and sales roles, developing OT security offerings, including Winscara Secure, the Predix Edge platform, and the OpShield and Achilles product lines. William holds an MBA from the UMass Eisenberg School of Management and a BA in Computer Science from Middlebury College. In this episode, William will discuss the risks that arise when you mix modern technology with legacy technology and what manufacturers can do to resolve this issue. Welcome, William. Thank you for joining us on this special podcast for Cybersecurity Week. Our focus today is on endpoint detection and response. So what concerns impact manufacturing organizations when you introduce IoT devices to the environment? Hi, Sukanya. Thanks a lot for having me today. I'm really glad to be here. Uh, there are a variety of concerns in the manufacturing environment, especially when it comes to IoT. Uh, IoT presents a lot of opportunity in terms of digital transformation and you know, looking at assets in a different way. One concern basically comes down to if we add these devices, does it risk expanding the attack surface? Does it open us up to attack? And so a question a lot of folks should probably be asking is, well, who is introducing devices into the environment? Is it, where'd they come from? Is it a controlled process or are folks being very innovative, which is good, but potentially introducing technology that hasn't been vetted, which is bad. So I think because a lot of people are interested in IoT in the home, it's easy to sort of take like a consumer level approach to IoT that could be a risk in a manufacturing environment where the risks are very different, particularly around intellectual property and process having to run uh, intellectual property theft or a process interruption. So I guess the question around IoT, there are lots of questions, but who's maintaining this technology? Who's patching it? Who's providing what we used to call where I used to work at a large OEM care and feeding to the technology? Like who's, who's nurturing it? and who's looking after it. So uh, that's a risk is that anyone can come along and potentially introduce a, a device, maybe a camera or a smart speaker, or you know something that's taking a reading, like a temperature reading and sending it to the cloud, but who's, who's looking after it and what's the process by which that gets introduced? That's one risk. I mean, there are a few others. How will that new technology interact with the manufacturing process? What protocols does it use? What ports does it use? Is it going to get in the way of anything else on the network or potentially block something else on the network? That would be a challenge. 
And then, you know, what is all that new technology doing with respect to the risk exposure of the enterprise and the attack surface as it's understood? It's, it's very likely going to expand the attack surface and that's a problem. And then finally, I think the, the, other, the other challenge is just knowing what new technologies are being introduced and having a sense of what's happening on the network. Are new devices appearing that weren't there before? And how, how much visibility do you have or how much awareness do you have of what there is? So it's, it's kind of an epistemological problem. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that correctly, but like, do you know what to know? Or do you know what to be worried about? What risks arise when you mix modern tech with legacy tech? Yeah, so mixing modern technology with legacy technology is the norm. It's very rare that someone does a rip and replace of the entire technology suite in the environment. So it can be challenging to find security solutions that are equipped to handle the variety of operating systems from the plant floor to the enterprise to the cloud. Uh, Fortinet, we use an expression from the concrete floor to the carpeted floor. It's kind of similar to something you mentioned earlier. What operating systems are you dealing with? And, And it can be very difficult to stop production if you need to apply a patch or deploy an upgrade because stopping production equals stopping revenue. So that's a challenge. And then finally, change management and change control become harder when your documented suite of technology changes in an unmanaged way. So having a good change control process is, is really important so that you can just document what new technologies are coming in or going out. And how should manufacturing approach resolving this challenge? So there are a couple of different factors we think are important to consider when you're trying to resolve that. There are a couple of different things that are gonna come out of what I just mentioned, all the things I mentioned. So, so one is, There are products uh, called network access control products that help you manage what new devices do on the network. So like once it shows up on the network, it can be fingerprinted by the NAC product and assigned to potentially a guest VLAN uh, where it has less chance to interrupt critical processes. That's one thing. Another thing is um, there are deep OT visibility products. We have some great partners uh, at our organization. So Nozomi, Clarity, and Dragos can help you see what technologies are in the environment. Those are sort of the big three, and there are others as well. So visibility is something we'd recommend. And you know, we're going to spend a lot of time talking about endpoint, but I don't want to leave out firewalls. Of course, you should segment your OT environment from your IT environment. And ideally, you should do micro-segmentation to limit which assets in your plant floor are talking to the other systems, and is it controlled or uncontrolled? From an endpoint protection and response perspective, you need an EDR solution that can do a number of things. Uh, It's got to be able to work with those legacy operating systems. So like it or not, many manufacturing software packages found in industrial control systems and on SCADA networks, they rely often on heritage operating systems that are often unsupported by most EDR vendors. So we recommend looking for one that supports Windows XP, older versions of Windows Server, older versions of Linux, so that you can provide endpoint protection on those systems in in that environment. We also think it's a good idea if you can find a product that can interoperate with OT environments and IT environments. As digital transformation initiatives happen, more plant plant floor systems are being interconnected. And so that people talk about IT, OT convergence, that notion of these 
networks talking to one another and interoperating with one another is going to happen more frequently. So if you, if you can deploy a solution that works in both environments, it's a good potential opportunity for synergy with the, the data coming from both environments up into a common security operations center. We also think it's important to have an EDR product that can offer a simulation mode. So what we mean by a simulation mode is you can deploy it in a test fashion where it's not going to limit any processes, but it's going to tell you what it's finding that's outside of policy. And this way you can tune the policy by actually exercising the manufacturing process, right? So oftentimes people don't even think about putting EDR in OT environments because they're so sort of rightfully concerned that they're going to limit production. So having an EDR offering that you can run in a simulation mode so that you can tune the policy gives you a, a little bit more comfort that you can, you can put this in there and see what it would do when it was running, what processes it's seeing. We, and we found that even putting it in simulation mode can often be productive. Ease of use is really important, especially as you think about the different personas you get in a plant as you get different kinds of operators, you want something that's gonna be really easy to use and, and not require a tremendous amount of training. And you want something that's gonna integrate with the firewall and the other network security products. So that's all about like the technology of EDR, but there's also the whole people side. And it's, it's also critical to find an implementation partner. Maybe you have the implementation partner in your own staff. Maybe you know there's, there's a value-added reseller in the mix that has some expertise or maybe your vendor has the expertise, but you need to have an implementer that's really experienced with OT environments and with, with what's going on there and what the risks are of blowing it. And they have to sort of understand manufacturing. I would not recommend an implementation partner that's, that's never been on a plant floor before. I would recommend someone who knows what the sort of risks and, and trade-offs are. Only an experienced partner will be able to work side-by-side -side with you to go through the, the proper use cases so they can exercise the EDR deployment in a simulation mode and create that baseline for what normal looks like. If you don't exercise all the normal activities of the system, you risk slowing things down later with false positives. Oftentimes when there's too many false positives, the system just gets ripped out. So it didn't end up doing anything. So all of this is to say is, you know, you need a great EDR product, but you also need a great team implementing it who understands the environment and can work with you to define those use cases so they can exercise everything. Right. You know, I know that you uh, sort of uh, touched on this a little bit, but uh, how can Fortinet help? Thanks for the question. It's a generous <laughs> question. We appreciate it. Um, so we have the products, we have the technology partners in our fabric ready ecosystem, and we have implementation partners who understand these environments. So 40 EDR is our endpoint detection and response product. And it does all of these things that I mentioned. It works with legacy operating systems. It works with Windows XP. It works with Linux, works with older versions of Windows Server. That's a hard thing to find. And we're, we're really proud of it. It interoperates across IT and OT environments. The simulation mode has proven effective at a variety of customers to accurately profile without blocking and ease of use and integration it has all that it integrates with our firewall it integrates with our sandbox and some other security fabric products we always advocate a platform approach because it helps customers reduce their tech debt that they take on if you use point solutions from every different vendor out there then you're taking on the burden of keeping it running and updating things and keeping testing integrations between these different products and it's painful so if you can have a, a limited number of platform vendors who you work with you can 
essentially shift that integration work to the platform vendor, which is one of the things Fortinet's happy to do. You know, we've got the product, we've got a great fabric ready ecosystem. We're extremely proud of it. It has uh, those, the big three visibility vendors. That's just one segment of the partners that we have. So we, we've got dozens of partners and, we're, and, and that's crucial also because it helps interoperate with investments that have already been made. So that's key. And uh, we have great implementation partners who've had success putting this in the environment and have won customers over. In fact, one recent example, I, I don't want to name the partner or the end customer, but they were very skeptical of putting EDR in their environment, but they were getting pushed to do it by their corporate CISO. And so they said, fine, we'll go and evaluate a bunch of stuff. They looked at 10 different vendors of EDR and only Fortinet's EDR product was able to successfully win credibility with them because of that simulation mode. And then they found a bunch of things they didn't know were there. Like they found Xbox services deployed in their OT environment. That shouldn't be there, right? It's, <laughs> unless they work at Microsoft in the factory, there shouldn't yes. be an Xbox service in their, on their plant floor. So, you know, before going to the success stories, I'm curious, this is something I'm just throwing to you. Do you have, have you come across any horror stories of, you know, the, the downside of, you know, not doing this. Totally. Yes. I'm glad you, I'm glad you asked that. And I thought about that a little bit too. Sukanya, there's been a lot of ransomware that has leaked from IT to OT, especially in this past year. Uh, people are very familiar with some of the big ones, but even like the meat processing example, there was a food and beverage example in 2021 where a, a beer manufacturer had to shut off production because of ransomware in their OT environment. There have been automotive manufacturing companies that had to stop operating because of ransomware in their environment. And you know they, they typically have two options. Once that happens, they can either rebuild the whole thing, which maybe they know how to do. Hopefully they do know how to do. That's something we also recommend is know how to rebuild it if you have to, as part of like your resiliency. Uh, but that can be very challenging also because often there's a, a lot of dependence on a variety of vendors and system integrators that have come in and left over time. So it can be challenging. Losing the ability to make your product is a nightmare for a manufacturing floor. Look, the world has enough supply chain challenges right now as it is with COVID. We don't need this making it worse. Now we want to go to the success stories. So what is an example of how your customers have applied this to their manufacturing environment and prevented a serious breach? One of our chemicals manufacturing customers deployed our 40 EDR product in their OT environment on their plant floor. They were actually doing a proof of concept. And while they were doing this proof of concept, they actually discovered a ransomware attack in process. So, you know, there's a, there's a kill chain to these things. And oftentimes the, the attack is underway for a long period of time before the ransomware screen comes on and says you're locked out. And they discovered malicious anomalous activity in the environment in the course of just doing this EDR proof of concept. And so that was obviously successful. It helped them decide, hey, this is a good idea. We should, we should leverage this offering. And, and they now use it in their environment. And they're, they're, they're very happy with the product. More recently, we've had some successes deploying this offering in the water wastewater industry. So a large water wastewater enterprise customer is deploying 40 EDR. And that's another example where it was really a marriage between the product and the implementation team that made that successful. 
And then recently a life sciences business is putting 40 EDR out in their, in their facility too. So, you know, I can't say that the water wastewater customer and the life sciences customer have already stopped attacks that were underway. Like I can with the chemicals manufacturing customer, but they've certainly retired the risk and they've set themselves up with a much better security posture than they had before. And, and we're really happy about that. I, we think this is a, a great opportunity for uh, network system engineers, manufacturing OT engineers, the, the folks who are responsible for the security and the continued operation of the floor. There's a great opportunity to really improve the posture by protecting uh, the systems that they might not have thought they could protect, right? So we're quite proud of the capability. William, before signing off from the podcast, what I would like to ask is what advice would you like to leave our listeners with? I, I think getting started and not letting perfection be the enemy of the good would be my sort of informal advice. Start looking at your risk profile. Start understanding you know, what happens if we get hit and start thinking about what are some things we can do to mitigate those risks. I also think this is good advice that I've heard elsewhere that I just want to sort of reshare, which is when you think about your, your critical assets, think about your crown jewels. And I'm not talking like the SCADA systems, the crown jewel or the PLC. I'm thinking more like, well, which say you have multiple plants, which plants are responsible for the 80, top 80% of the revenue that the company is generating? Those are the ones you should probably protect first. I think it's more important to protect the crucial critical assets in the organization than to get 100% uniform coverage across everything when there might be a long tail of, of facilities that aren't as important for, just from a business continuity perspective. So those are, those are two things. Don't wait, get started, start assessing your risk. And when you do that, think about what the critical facilities are that require the most protection. That's perfect advice to end our uh, you know, conversation here. Thank you so much for being a part of the cybersecurity podcast. I'm so glad that you could join us. No, it was my pleasure. Thanks for having me.